All right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you all would like to make your way up to the front for your class, and those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, it's that time to gather in the back with your teacher. All right. I know that there are uh, a lot of visitors I met at the door, and, and I think I told many of you that, that uh, if, if you'd like to go down with your kids or, or uh, if, uh, uh, if your kids are, are wanting to go down and they're going to go down where their lessons are directly after the service, you could follow others to, to where they're to be picked up, or you could ask at the Welcome Center and they'll, they'll lead you down to where your, your kids could be picked up directly after the service. All right. We, we just started last week the book of Acts. It was an introduction kind of thing, and, and uh, I wanted to spend another uh, Sunday here. I think it's worth doing to, to look more into this first chapter of Acts. We're not diving into the second chapter yet. Uh, they are told, uh, if there's any instruction in, in the first chapter, it's to wait. Wait, pretty exciting, right? We always talk about Acts being exciting. Well, in, in chapter 1, they're told to wait. You know what waiting is, right? If you've been to amusement parks, it's waiting. I, I don't like amusement parks. For about one quarter of the time you're riding rides, there's three quarters of the time you're waiting in the lines, right? And, and it's just standing there while you're getting acquainted with people and uh, I remember one ride, it was close to St. Louis, Six Flags, whether it was between, I think, St. Louis, and uh, uh, it's been some years ago, uh, there, was, there was a very popular ride there, and it was a wooden roller coaster, and we were clear back there. I mean, it's like a 45-minute wait to ride this, but I thought, you know, if we rode anything, it'd be this big roller coaster, so we waited in this line. And as it got, got close to, or we, we were getting closer and closer to at least see their entrance to the ride, there's still a lot of line. We were told, well, we're having some malfunctions. It'll be just a little bit. And so we, we thought, well, we waited in the line this long. We'll just continue to wait in the line. And so we waited longer. It, you know, turned, that, that 45 minutes turned into an hour, an hour and a half. And then they came out. And it, as we were standing there, the line got shorter, which was really great. And boy, we're going to be right up there. When it starts, and as we got up there closer and closer, they said, oh, well, it's closed for the day. So like, what, hour and 45 minutes to two hours, great time. We enjoyed that line. Waiting was such joy. But yeah, anyway, they were told to wait, and it's not like that at all in this chapter one. And I think, I think there's some things we can learn from it. Um, it wasn't a great deal of time. When, when, when you look at this, let me, let me kind of lay it out for you. Uh, Jesus' crucifixion happened at the Passover. And, and uh, it is said, well, we, we know that Pentecost is the Feast of Weeks, so there was 50 days in between the Passover and, and Pentecost, which is coming, that day when the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus was with them, we find out as we read through this first chapter. Jesus spent time with all the disciples uh, for about 40 days before he, he ascended into heaven. And so you figure, well, after 40 days, you've got about a 10-day period. So in a, about that, it was probably less than because of Jesus' baptism. I mean, resurrection was a couple days after, after that Passover 
that, that so it's eight, eight, nine days that, that uh, actually they did this waiting. So it wasn't a great deal of time, but what did they do? And we're going to look at that today. Matter of fact, in verses 12 through 20, through, actually through the rest of chapter, uh, chapter 1, they are waiting. But I want you to hear the content. We're going to talk through uh, some of the things that they focused upon while they were waiting. Beginning verse 12 of Acts chapter 1. Here it is. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Okay, first of all, 9, 10, 11. I want to just say, Jesus just ascended into heaven. In those verses, you know, they watched him uh, being raised and, and, and taken into the clouds. And then two, uh, two uh, individuals showed up and they said, just as you saw him leave, he's going to return. And so then we come to verse 12 that says, And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, oh, no, no, verse, I said verse 12, right? <laughs> Let me go to verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. Just to deal with that, you might question, well, what's a Sabbath day's journey? If you remember, you know, the law very specific, they, they laid out that, that basically a Sabbath day's journey is you can't go any more than a kilometer, one kilometer. And, and anything past that one kilometer is going to be working on the Sabbath, which is, you know, which is breaking the Sabbath law. So a Sabbath day's journey is, is uh, about 2,000 cubits. Uh, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room, where they were staying, there was Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with all the women, oh, excuse, together with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood among the brothers, the company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in, in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with a reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akaldema, that is, filled of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office." There's some kind of, oh, that's, that's what you do when you're waiting. All that, you hear that content? First of all, who was, who was all waiting? Uh, we know, uh, first of all, in that verse 15, he said there was 150. Uh, we, we have to say 150 who, who were gathering together. I, I believe that, gathering together every day uh, after Jesus' ascension. And, and who, were, who was a part of the 120? Well, Verse 13 said, the apostles listed the 11 existing apostles in, in verse 13. In verse 14, it mentions that women were along, uh, women uh, were a part of that, 
that group as well, women, more, more than likely, well, it does mention Mary, the mother of Jesus, right there. Uh, but I can imagine that maybe those, those ladies who attended the grave, you know, who were going to attend to Jesus' body that morning, uh, both Mark and Luke uh, list some of those women being Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, and, and Mary, the mother of James. There, there's uh, part of the list, whether there's some other ladies, uh, is quite possible. Uh, then there was also the brothers of Jesus were attending as well. And in Mark 6, 3, uh, just to know the, the names of Jesus' brothers, there's James, there's Judas, Simon, and, and also Joseph were the brothers of Jesus. They're part of the 120. Uh, that doesn't make 120, I think, unless there was a lot more women there. Uh, the, the thought is, if you look back at Luke chapter 10, you know, it, it was within six months of Jesus' uh, resurrection, death and resurrection. Uh, there, Jesus sent out 72 disciples, 72 disciples, like he did the 12 earlier. He sent them out to preach, you know, the coming of the kingdom. You know, the coming of the kingdom is at hand. Uh, and, and they were able to heal. They were able to cast out demons and, and do those things. So they, they went out and, and uh, had, a, had a, a run of, of taking the gospel message out. And so there were 72 of them. So I imagine that later on we'll see a couple of those guys mentioned uh, as, as replacing Judas as it comes to that text. So 120 that continued to gather that were all participating in this waiting, this waiting on the Lord. And I want to just share that the thought came across this idea of waiting, that waiting on the Lord is not a waste of time. It's, it, should, it shouldn't be wasted time, right? It shouldn't be twiddling your thumbs. shouldn't be occupying, watching TV, which I'm sure they were doing. No, they weren't doing any of that. Anyway, uh, it is not a waste of time. They filled their time doing the following things. And I, I want us to learn some things. We ought to learn some lessons about waiting. Uh, first lesson would be this. God's timing is always better than ours. God, just, just to know that if we're waiting, and, and, and I, I believe our days, even today, is filled in waiting on the Lord for the things he's doing. If you're a, if you're a praying person, you're laying out requests before him, there's some waiting that we're doing. Just, just in, in answered requests. But in the things that God promised, we're people who wait. Now, Israel expressed a lot of, of waiting. We could go into example after example in the Old Testament. Let's think about Abraham. Remember Abraham who was promised by God. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. So what was the promise? You know, what was within that promise? Well, you're going to have a child, right? You, to to, to be, make a nation out of me, I'm going to have to have a child. And Abraham did not, Abraham and Sarah didn't receive a child right away, did they? It was over a long period of time that they were waiting. And, and uh, not that they waited uh, patiently all throughout. There's evidence, Ishmael, that there wasn't some, some patience there. But God had promised it. And even in their old age, when Sarah thought she's beyond childbearing, here comes Isaac. So, so waiting. good things come for, for those who, who continue to wait on the Lord. Uh, thinking about Israel as they became a nation, when they were traveling in the, in, in, you know, in the wilderness, uh, there was some waiting that happened because of their unfaithfulness, right? Because of their continuous grumbling and complaining, they, they had to wait another 40 years 
in tents in the wilderness uh, before they promised, uh, crossed over into the promised land. That was kind of their own fault, that they did some waiting on the Lord there. But they still entered into the promised land. I, I think of another one. Matter of fact, there's a verse that came to mind when it came to waiting. And maybe it's one that you're familiar with. It's Isaiah 40, verse 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You hear that one before? I've heard this repeated so many times when it comes to, oh, be patient, God's at work. Um, they, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wow, powerful passage. Do you know the context of which that's in? Uh, especially even thinking about what Isaiah wrote about and prophesied. It, it, was, it was, hey, there's destruction coming. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, and, and uh, many of you are going to die, and many of you are going to be taken into captivity. E even ver uh, chapter 39, the previous, had, had referred to that towards the king. But throughout, Isaiah is warning, saying, because of your unfaithfulness, you're going to be taken into captivity. And right there in this verse, in chapter 40, uh, he says, hey, those who wait on the Lord are going to renew their strength. It's, it's a positive thing to, to be patient and wait on God. And they haven't even entered into the troubles that are coming yet. Many of those, maybe that passage is, is specifically for those who are going to be in captivity captivity is going to be up to around 80 years many of them are not going to return home and yet the message is hey uh, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength you mean even in the midst of troubles even in the midst of difficulties that's that's that that's the time that we are to be patient and 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 to trust God I think is the message Absolutely the message. What is that message for you and I today? You know, in the midst of difficulties in this world. I've heard some people say, you know, in the political atmosphere, in, in the difficulties of our nation and throughout the world, I've heard, I've heard, you know, the question, what is God doing? What is God doing? Does he know what he's doing? Is, is it out of his hands? Is it all the kid? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. God, God is not out of control. Matter of fact, I, I absolutely believe, according to the scriptures, that he is leading, guiding history until his great climax. Are you excited about that? Are you waiting? Are you anticipating? You look forward, forward to it? Hey, hey, you know, strength comes to those who anticipate and who are patient. Wait on the Lord. It is a good place to be to put our trust in him, even in days of difficulty. Well, their waiting also included all, those, uh, all that time of hearing about the Savior who's coming. Hearing about a Savior that's coming, and they had to wait for him as well. Anticipate. Uh, even over, you know, within the, the context of the Old Testament, all the things that Isaiah said and, and, and quoted and, and, and Malachi even, up to Malachi, that last book. And then 400 years of silence. They were anticipating, looking for that Messiah to come. And, and when the gospel started, they were anticipating. Here he, here he comes. Galatians 4.4. 4. Uh, it, it's Paul who said, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That idea of the fullness of time. What God does is perfect. Perfect. 
and it is well-timed. Do you believe that? Uh, I, I don't think we're in a good place to be impatient with God. I, I do believe that we ought to be a people who are patient and looking for him to act and, and looking for him to move. The apostles and disciples at this time, you know, they had spent 40 days with Jesus. That had to be glorious. I, wouldn't you love to, to just have the opportunity to see what a day like would be like with a, a Savior risen from the dead. You witnessed him, the emotions and how distraught you were, and then to see him alive. And then to spend time with him teaching and, and, and just spending time with him uh, in those 40 days had to be amazing up until the time he ascended into heaven. That, I mean, they were on a high. And then they were told in the midst of that, you got to wait. <laughs> you got to wait. And I believe they did that and they did that well, as we'll see as we continue to move on. We're called to trust in God. Now, are you in the midst of a, 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 some prayers right now that God hasn't answered yet? How are you doing in waiting? Are, are, you, are you frustrated with, with the circumstances in our society? The direction that's going so contrary to, to, to the fact that God created and he had a design. And it seems like society around us is throwing eggs at it. Or dis, absolutely disrespecting God and the fact that he created and you're frustrated. So, God, when are you going to act? We know he's going to act. We know why he hasn't acted yet is, is for people to, to be able to uh, come to know him, come to repentance in him. So be patient. Be patient. God continues to act, and we ought to live with expectation. The second lesson I want us to learn is exactly what it, it said there in verse 14. And 14 says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves in prayer. I know we've we preached, to, or I've preached numerous lessons about prayer and, and talking, but how, how absolutely important is prayer? How absolutely important is prayer? Uh, matter of fact, people, uh, in, in part of this, I, I, I look at this and I think how, how the people were united. They were, they were united in the fact that their Savior, who had died, is, is risen from the dead and spending time with him. And, and there was a unity amongst them. And, and matter of fact, an identity amongst these people that, hey, we follow a risen Savior. Uh, there, there was some excitement in following after Jesus who, who conquered death. And so they were united in that, and they were drawn or they were committed to praying together with one accord. Um, the content of the prayer. Uh, it, it would be nice to know exactly what they were praying about. But if we used any, any part of the scripture, you know, the things they were praying, praying about had to be praise, right? Could, could you imagine lifting praise about the fact that they were able to be witnesses of Jesus after his death? There had to be that part of praise, a praise of the connection that they're feeling, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, the unity they're, they're feeling because of a risen Savior. So lots of praises were obviously going up. Uh, how, how about things that, that were just recently said to them in those, the, the period of 40 days when, when they were with Jesus? They knew about the promise of, of the Holy Spirit coming. Do you think they knew exactly what was going to happen? Uh, Jesus didn't leave them with an itinerary. This is the time you're going to, you know, this is the time you're going to be in the upper room 
and this is the time the Holy Spirit's going to come, and this is what you need to know. There was, there was no idea. I, I, I believe they were clueless as to what was coming. I, in, in some ways, it was, it was the, absolutely a gift was coming to them. A gift of the Holy Spirit was coming down upon them. And oh man, we're going to talk about that exciting day next week, so don't let me get into that. But, but here's, so, so what, what would you be praying? God, bring your spirit. God, follow through with that promise. We're anticipating, we're waiting for that. Also, uh, in, in what was said was the, this, this idea of a task or their work was laid out for them. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. And more than likely, they were praying about the idea that, oh, we're going to be witnesses and, and the direction we're supposed to, we're going to be witnesses here in Jerusalem, and we're going to take it out to Judea and, and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, that, that had to intrigue them or cause a little bit of fear. Lord, what does that mean? And, and so you can imagine that their prayers were about, hey, prepare us to, prepare us to lead, to teach, prepare us to, to take and, and, and to be those witnesses you called us to. <coughs> And, and also, uh, for those who are going to receive it, do you think they were already beginning to think who, who we're going to go share? And they were told to stay in Jerusalem, but where we're going to take that message to? Uh, man, the content of their prayer, I, I think they had plenty to pray about. But one other detail I think was part of their prayers, and that Peter especially, we know, and I'm sure some of the other apostles were thinking about Judas. Judas. The betrayer. I don't know. Do you think hearts were heavy? Because here Judas was a part of the twelve. Judas was a part of the twelve. Later on, Peter says that Judas turned aside to go to his own place. That was verse 25. He turned to go to, aside to, to another place. He left that position of apostle and, and absolutely turned completely around and became a betrayer of Jesus. I, you know, I, I, I just wonder if it was heavy upon their hearts and their thoughts. And if maybe some part of their prayer was to, to help us overcome, you know, what, what Judas had, had done. I wonder if it also occurred to, to Peter of what he did in his own denial of Jesus. Oh, and, and perhaps he was just overjoyed that he was able to see Jesus and to have Jesus say, hey, Ask, ask him three times, oh, hey, Peter, do you love me? Isn't that, wasn't that a great opportunity? Well, what do you think was on Peter's heart there? You know, that, that, okay, Judas betrayed Jesus, but Peter, I denied him three times. And that quite possibly came to mind. But again, Peter had that opportunity to see Jesus. Judas did not. Matter of fact, Luke gave a little commentary to, to what happened to Judas here. And it's kind of different from what Matthew said. Matthew, in, in Matthew's text, if we look it up, that, that uh, uh, the money was taken and, and thrown at the, the uh, priest's feet uh, and, and how distraught and full of shame he was now that Jesus had been condemned. And it said that he went and, uh, to a desolate place and hung himself. And then Acts, Luke comes along and says, well, he, he was in that desolate place and, and he, that, that he owned the place. And the thought is to harmonize that, 
that the priest actually purchased the field where he went and hung, hung himself. But, but here it is, Judas, before Jesus rose from the dead, hung himself. And, and then as, as Luke says within the passage, he said that, that uh, falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. I know you just want me to repeat that, right? But, but uh, the thought is that the rope over a period of time, again in a desolate place, here, here uh, Judas continues to hang, the rope breaks, and, and his condition is that he just burst open. And, and so uh, Luke adds those details. A- again, the idea is his thoughts, his thoughts turn to, to Judas in this time. As a matter of fact, specifically his thoughts turn to the fact that there's a vacant space. There's, there's, there's 11 apostles. And I, think, I find it significant that Peter felt like we need to replace Judas. And in Revelation where it says there are 12, it identifies 12 apostles as the foundation of the church. We also see in, 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 in the scriptures the significance of having that full foundation uh, maybe Peter realized that. Those who pray anticipate God's action. How, how are you doing at praying? Individually, I'll ask you, how, how are you doing at praying? I, I do believe it, it, it reveals, if you're someone who prays and, and takes that time every day, then, then you are anticipating God in his actions. You know that God is working. If, if you've got a lifeless prayer life and it's just not active in you, then, then where, where's the expectation? Where's the thought that God is working today and that, that through our prayers, he does move, that he does uh, answer prayers. Uh, waiting is important uh, about that. Uh, I, I would also encourage when it talks about people coming together and pray, we could do a whole lot better when I examine that. I think in January, you know, as the youth group was kicking up again, we just had a, a Sunday evening. I, I just had the thought uh, in the morning, let's, let's, uh, let's meet together. In the evening, there's about eight to ten of us that met together, and we just spent some time praying before the youth group met that evening. That was good. We ought to, do, we ought to purposefully make Sunday evening uh, every once in a while, just, just set a time and meet together and pray. Do we have anything? Is there anything to be praying about? Everything hunky-dory, good and peachy? (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In our own lives, there's a list of prayers. And and each of us ought to have people we're praying for, people who need to come to know Jesus, right? I'm just going to ask, anybody who who does not know one person to pray for who needs to know Jesus, raise your hand right now. Perfect. You all know someone, right? Right? The fact no one raised their hand, yeah, that, that means everybody knows someone you ought to be praying for who needs to know Jesus, who needs to know that gospel message. There's plenty for us to be meeting together and praying for. And, and I believe through Acts we're going to be encouraged more and more to do that. So let's, let's, uh, let's find some times to do that. Finally, finally, uh, while they were waiting on the Lord... Uh, we, we find out a good use of time is, is also be seeking the scriptures. Uh, big surprise, you know. Two things that the church could be involved in is prayer and, and scriptures, right? It's what we hear continuously. It's what the church did as they were waiting. We know this especially because uh, Peter, 
Peter searched the scriptures and, hey, there's that vacant space. Uh, I, I do want to show you a scripture in, in Luke 24, 44 and 45 that I find specifically interesting. They search God's word. All of them search God's word for his direction. But I believe the lights were coming on for them. Luke 24, 44, and 45. Let me read that for you. Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Those prophecies, right? Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. The lights were coming on. Everything Jesus talked about and was teaching that, that's going to be unfolded is, is going to happen. Uh, when, it, when it came to Jesus suffering on the cross, they, uh, could, could you just see the lights coming on and said, Jesus is the suffering Savior of Isaiah. Jesus is that suffering sa Savior of Isaiah. Or even this is how that throne of David is going to be eternal. Jesus conquered death. And, and, and now he's, he's going to be taking that throne of the kingdom. He's going to be seated upon that throne for, for eternity. That's the fulfillment of another promise. And, and just going through scriptures, could you see just, oh, that's, that's about Jesus. Oh, that's about what, what happened to Jesus. Or even, even in his birth, and be, beginning to see it unfold. And, and the, the Old Testament scriptures coming alive. Peter consulted the scriptures uh, concerning Judas and that space that was taken. Um, he used a couple of passages as, as they're quoted there. Um, uh, one was out of Psalm 69.25. 69.25. There it said, may, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. Uh, I, I always enjoy going to the context of what Peter was reading. It, it seems small and, and short what he's taken. Let me read for you just a couple of verses that surrounds uh, part of the context of where, where Peter found. In verse 21 of 69, it says, They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes uh, be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent over. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. Uh, this, this is God's judgment over enemy. God's judgment over enemy. Then verse 25 says, May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. That specifically is what Peter quoted. And then to think about uh, uh, Psalm 109 verse 8 is another uh, verse that was given. Let me read for you just a couple verses that surrounds that passage that says, may his days be few, may another take his place. It's just that sentence. But in context, listen to what he says. My God whom I praise do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred they surround me, they attack me without cause. And there Peter is thanking Judas. Peter's thanking Judas. Now, uh, ultimately from the scriptures, they're saying someone needs to take his place. So they move in the verses that we did not read, beginning verse 21 through 26. Uh, they, they first of all considered all the disciples and found two that would identify to be 
the ones who spent the most time with Jesus as the other apostles were there, maybe even from the beginning of hearing Jesus teaching and seeing what Jesus was doing. Uh, also, uh, to be witnesses of his resurrection, and they pulled out two in the group. It was, uh, uh, let me see, it was Matthias and Joseph called Bersabbas. And, and from the two, you know, there was a prayer, they cast lots, and they pulled out Matthias. And we don't hear a whole lot about Matthias in there. See, so, you know, I, I do have the question, well, who was the apostle? I always consider Paul being the apostle that would take that place. But Matthias, it's a question there I'm not sure how to answer. But Matthias was counted in amongst the apostles on that day. uh, We don't see a number of the other apostles mentioned. Uh, There is a tradition spoken that Matthias went into Ethiopia with the gospel and lost his life. I'm sure with not only the apostles, but many of the other uh, disciples who believed in Jesus and had that burning passion within them and the Holy Spirit to take that gospel message out as they did. They were, they were spending that time and in, in waiting. Uh, of course, their waiting was rewarded. We're going to see that next week. But God brought about his promise. He brought about his promise and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And what a fantastic day. The waiting of those days was worth it because they filled it with things that were good, things that, that kept them connected and excited. It were things of prayer, things of prayer, things of turning to the scriptures and investing in them, saying, Lord, how do, how do, I, you know, how do I deal with this situation? Or how do I look? How do I live my life? How do I conduct myself uh, in these surroundings? Man, we ought to be all about that because we're... We are absolutely people who are waiting. Isn't that right? Can we consider that if you're, if, if you're a believer in God and we know the scriptures and he has laid some promises out before us, there are some promises he is yet to fulfill and we're going to be a part of that? Are you with me on that? Okay. Okay. We are people who are waiting for that fulfillment. I, I think we're people waiting for answers to prayer. I mean, are there loved ones? Again, are there loved ones we're praying for? And, and, and are we waiting, anticipating God's answer to work in their lives? Oh, the time and the patience that's needed, right? Don't forget what the scripture says. Those who wait on the Lord uh, will renew their strength. Man, their confidence, their trust in God grows. And it grows through turning to him in prayer. It grows as we continue to pursue him in the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to do some praying now. And as as a church, let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for, for the days that we have. Every single day, Lord, We could count as a gift from you. Your grace is so evident to us. Lord, we praise you for your word and the comfort it brings. Lord, uh, we're in that period of time between Christ's resurrection, his ascension, and his return. And Lord, we're waiting, anticipating that great conclusion when Jesus returns to receive your people into your kingdom. Lord, we're, we're looking forward to that day. Uh, and so, Lord, we, uh, in the meantime, uh, want to be turning to you honestly, truly in prayer. 
Father, there's so many things in this world that we could uh, definitely be participating in. Lord, participating in the spreading of the gospel, sharing it with our neighbors, sharing it with those we work with. Uh, Father, there is uh, that opportunity we have to teaching our children uh, about uh, Jesus and about his love for them. Uh, to be encouraging one another in this world that is so ungodly. We pray, Father, that you uh, just strengthen us with your spirit to guide us. Lord, uh, as we continue to move through this book of Acts, we pray that you uh, definitely strengthen us. Help us to be attentive. Make changes where we can make changes. One of those things, Lord... We would, we would love to find more time together just to pray for us to gather, maybe in smaller groups and in larger groups, to be focusing our attention upon uh, the things that we are looking forward to, the things that we need to be busy about and working. Lord, direct us in those things. Father, we praise you absolutely for Jesus, the salvation we have through him. We praise you, Lord, for the message that, that you've given us to deliver. Help us, strengthen us, give us boldness as we uh, take that message into our neighborhood and throughout this world. God, you're good to us and we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name, amen.